Coming up on Stu Does America, we know most of your governors suck, but which is the worst? We'll give you the answer. Leon Wolf joins us to discuss the moral panic around coronavirus coverage, and Nancy Pelosi has attacked President Trump for being morbidly obese, which is quite the zinger coming from a sentient leather handbag someone spilled mayonnaise on in the 1930s. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search for Stu, and I will be the first one there. And click that bell for notifications, of course, because that means you'll actually get the content you subscribe to. Your ratings and reviews are appreciated and keep puppies alive all over the world. Cute puppies, but only if you give us five stars. You'll love the show. I, it's great. Whatever. And subscribe at blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll get 10 bucks off. Tonight is our 69th episode and I'm really bummed. I used the stew does Dallas title yesterday. Stew does America. Since most of the American media Time for the days when we will be so desperate for food, we'll be hunting pink flamingos at night and stalking street corners, waiting to raid the next food delivery truck before it hits the grocery store. It's hard to get a good sense of just how good or bad a job our governors are actually doing. When we have uh, clothing brands putting Gavin Newsom's name on panties, and the media triumphantly carries Governor Cuomo around like he's Rudy Rudiger, even if he's shoving vulnerable old people into nursing homes to die and then trying to cover it up, it's up to us to provide the definitive list on the worst governors during this pandemic. Before we hit the top five, here's a quick honorable mention. Our honorable mention comes from the state I grew up in, Connecticut. Ned, Ned Lamont. Ugh. He's somehow the governor of Connecticut after actually losing a race for the Senate despite having the Democratic nomination. That's not possible in Connecticut. To illustrate how difficult this is to do, the only Republican senator in the last 60 years in the state was a guy named Lowell Weicker. He was so Republican that he left the Republican Party afterward and then ran for governor as a third-party candidate. He somehow won on a platform of the opposition to the state income tax. And then guess what happened? As soon as he got into office, he, of course, changed his mind and went so far to veto three budgets without an income tax in them. After leaving office in disgrace, he later became an activist fundraiser for Democrat Ned Lamont, who was running to the left of another Democrat turned independent, Joe Lieberman. Now, Connecticut has been hit pretty hard by COVID-19, but Lamont gets special recognition for being the very last state to open up at all, really. All, this is the quote, all states but Connecticut have in some way moved toward returning to a semblance of normalcy. I grew up there, so my special condolences to all who are still trapped in the People's Republic of North Connecticut. Uh, at number five, we have, of course, Pennsylvania's governor, Tom Wolf. Yes, Tom Wolf. When Governor Wolf ordered all non-life-sustaining businesses to close on threat of enforcement, protesters pushed back and said they weren't going to follow it. Well, governor Wolf responded by labeling people who do not want to go bankrupt as treasonous traitors when he said, quote, we Pennsylvanians are in a fight for our lives. The enemy is a deadly virus set on destroying us. 
Over this past weekend, some have decided to surrender to this enemy. These folks are choosing to desert in the face of the enemy. And in the middle of a war that we have, Pennsylvanians are trying to win and we must win and blah, 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 blah. Look, the virus is real. It's serious. You know, I know, you know, I say that all the time, but you're not fighting Al Qaeda here. You're not FDR on December 7th, 1941. You know how I know that? Do you know how I know that you know that? Hmm. Because you gave a waiver to a kitchen cabinet company. Not just any kitchen cabinet company, but a cabinet company that you used to own. So we're in a war and people who want to work are traitors, except, of course, for that flag-waving cabinet company. That is totally patriotic. To be fair, he wasn't alone. Another Pennsylvania politician got his own company a waiver as well. It was a candy store. Yay! People said, hey, uh... Freaking candy store, special treatment. Uh, but I disagree on this one. Science has proven time and time and again uh, that human beings can't survive without a significant percentage of their diet from the Reese's Corporation. It's true. Wolf has also threatened businesses by saying that he would move uh, potential uh, licenses away from uh, holders if, uh, if they did something wrong. A punishment that, that businesses didn't follow his demands. Liquor licenses, building occupancy permits, and all the like. Quote, depend upon you doing everything you can to keep your patrons safe. And quote, by opening before the evidence suggests you should, you're taking undue risk with the safety of your customers. That's not only morally wrong, it's also really bad business, is what he said. Wolf also proposed uh, universal masking that would require people to wear a mask anytime they're leaving their house for any reason. At the same time, he's locking everyone else up for all these nonsensical fake crimes. He's also releasing existing prisoners who have committed real crimes. There you go. Number five is Pennsylvania. At number four, ah, California, home to all the Hollywood celebrities live streaming how they're managing to survive quarantine in their mansions with millions of dollars. So inspirational. What would we ever do without them? Well, Governor Newsom has issued 32 executive orders since early March, and he's, quote, used the executive authority to shut down businesses, move local elections to vote by mail, accelerate spending on homeless shelters, alter court proceedings and provide benefits for essential workers. And he also made it illegal uh, to uh, sleep with your campaign manager's wife, which was oddly specific. But uh, I guess it was in that that batch of executive orders. In the midst of those executive orders, we've seen local skate parks covered in sand, mandatory mask requirements, even arrests of local business owners. A gym owner was arrested in California for reopening to save his business. Uh, Lou Uridel said he had lost most of his clientele he'd built up and had to do something or he was going to lose it all. And despite everyone keeping their distance in the gym and wiping down everything constantly, authorities still hauled him off like he was a criminal. Local media reported the incident as rare and that the authorities have preferred to use warnings to get businesses to comply. That's a quote. I love that. They try to soften that as, as if it's better. We won't throw you in jail if you just agree. Hmm. A lot of the crazier stuff in California doesn't come from Newsom, but from the counties. It's important to note that it wasn't the counties, however, who were having an affair with their campaign manager's wife. Just something you need to know. One Northern California county banned online streaming church services from singing or playing instruments because it might be uh, spreading COVID-19. I assume uh, that's for people directly in the room 
because you can't spread disease through the Internet. And considering the amount of porn this country consumes, uh, that is a very good thing. So four is California. At number three, we have Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. There she is. Her stay-at-home, stay-safe executive order in April was vague and confusing to, you know, everyone. It read like something a governor would do when an aide told them they had to, had to be strong against the virus. So she went and Googled, you know, pandemic and got, like, the script for the movie Outbreak and hit copy and paste. Hey, governor, uh, someone uh, in a truck is trying to open up their party supply store. What do we do? Mm, I don't know. Do this part. I gotta say, a lot of a lot of guns make cars explode in movies. I don't know if that really happens or not. The order basically stops people from almost all gatherings and initially had bizarre restrictions like not being able to travel between your residences if you had more than one or stores over 50,000 square feet not being able to allow to sell paint or furniture or garden supplies or carpet or flooring. In fact, she even tried to ban the advertising of any non-essential products on radio or TV. Practically the only thing missing from her executive order was the blueprint for op- Operation Clean Sweep, which was the government's plan in the movie Outbreak to contain the virus by incinerating everyone in town. I mean, it may still I, I mean, I have to apologize to the fine people of Cedar Rapids uh, for giving Governor Whitmer that idea because it could be coming any time. At number two, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, the governor that was so great, they excused him for painting on a black face. Northam threatened to, uh, I mean, he threatened a pastor with jail time or a $2,500 fine it was uh, for holding a service on Palm Sunday. That would be the Sabbath during Holy Week for all you heathens out there. The crime, 16 people showed up for the service at the small church. The Department of Justice took the side of the church and so did the lightning that seared the words down with Northam into the grass nearby. But things are looking up in Virginia. There is an exciting new plan. Previously, now this is weird. Previously, you could only exercise on beaches, not relax. So Governor Northam's henchmen would have to sit and watch beachgoers and decide whether or not they were exercising and then figure out what the hell to do if they're not. The new dictate will allow activities, including swimming, surfing, fishing, and other recreational activities. This sounds like a positive, uh, but I wish they would have waited. I kind of wanted to see the case go all the way to the Supreme Court and watch the state of Virginia try to explain how a particular instance of swimming was in fact recreational and not exercise. And then watch Clarence Thomas slowly get up from his chair and backhand the attorney. That would have been fun. Thankfully, Governor Northam has explained all of the do's and don'ts of beach going for you. Here's what is not allowed. Group activities like uh, group sports, uh, speakers playing loud music to large groups. As you know, COVID-19 can be spread by sound. Uh, No tents or groups of umbrellas. I assume a singular umbrella is okay then. And no beach volleyball. And that is very upsetting because as you can see, I'm a beach volleyball aficionado. Picture Maverick and Iceman from Top Gun, except, uh, except not for Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer. Think more of like a Jerry Nadler vibe. There was a lot to uh, do here uh, on the beach. A lot of activities that were uh, had all sorts of rules. It can be tricky to list them all. If you're not sure what an improved Governor Northam sanctioned activity is on the beach, 
You can literally call his office and ask. That's what they say. The number is 804-786-2211. There you go. Just tell him Stu sent you. For example, hey, I'm on the beach right now, and I was about to play volleyball inside a tent under multiple umbrellas while blasting loud music and also screw you. Something like that. He's extended the stay-at-home order until June 10th, which sounds like a long way away, but think of the wonderful celebration you'll be able to throw. Just remember to stock up on very dark face makeup. Your kids will absolutely love it. Assuming you've decided to make the choice to keep them alive, which is definitely your choice, and not murder. And at number one, of course, our beloved New York governor, Andrew Cuomo. It will come as no shock that New York is on the top of the list of the worst governors during the pandemic. We seem to be one of the only people who realize that Cuomo has been an utter Disaster. Some examples. March 6, he insisted, quote, the overall risk level of the novel coronavirus in New York remains low. And, quote, we have more people in this country dying from the flu than we have dying from coronavirus. As late as March 8, Cuomo insisted uh, that people uh, stay away from the subway. And instead of doing that, which kind of seemed like obvious advice to everybody, honestly, he advised New Yorkers to seek out less crowded subway cars, which is I guess it's better than nothing. Cuomo was so bad on his response that when Mayor de Blasio suggested that a quarantine might have to take place in New York, Cuomo scolded him publicly and said that it wouldn't happen. And only he had the power to do such a thing. Like a few days later, he had to do it anyway. And while we could talk about his hand sanitizer lie, his ridiculous uh, press conferences and his interviews with his idiotic brother on CNN, his taking masks donated to the state, and making a mural out of them, and his mockery of protesters telling them to, quote, get a job as an essential worker if they want to go back to work. None of that stupidity rivals the executive order from March 25th that forced nursing homes to accept patients who carried the coronavirus and prohibited nursing homes from testing many patients for COVID-19. He did not reverse the policy until May 11th, long after we bludgeoned you with it in the audience over and over again. Just last week is when he did it. The state also fudged the numbers to soften the number of deaths from uh, from nursing homes. Some were never tested. Others who got sick at the nursing home, then went home to be with family, later died at the family's home. They were not counted in the tally. We went through all one in one example. This is from the New York Post. A facility was reported by the state to have seven deaths over a five week period. Minor problem with that number seven. It was later found out that the actual number was 76. 76, not 7. But it was only 11 times the amount of dead people. Who can keep track of such things? So to review our top five worst governors during the coronavirus era, number five, governor's sweetheart deals for kitchen cabinet companies. Number four, governor's sleep with your campaign manager's wife. Number three, governor fastest way to lose a vice presidential nomination. Number two, Governor Blackface is really bad, but not as bad as murdering children. And number one, Governor Fredo. Who does America? If you put on weight during uh, the coronavirus era, there's nothing like intermittent fasting to take it off. It happens fast. Fasting is fast. You can remember it pretty easily. And you can remember Fast Blast to make it even easier. One of the biggest problems of dieting is it just takes too long. Eating foods that you don't like all the time or cutting back all the time. 
you know, it's like the difference almost between, um, you know, a marathon and a sprint. Like, I, you know, you can run, you can run a little slower, just a little slower and just keep going forever and ever and ever and ever. Or you can kind of go all out for a shorter period of time and really see results. If you happen to be a fan of the wonderful world of steel, you may remember I did a, a very unhealthy version uh, <laughs> of this and I lost 16 pounds in 10 days. It can go that fast and it increases your metabolism. Uh, it makes it easier to lose weight and keep it off while traditional diets actually slow metabolism. And I will say with Fast Blast, the Fast Blast smoothie being the best part of this, makes it a lot easier. Uh, it's uniquely formulated for intermittent fasting. And, you know, they can, you know, they, you don't have to go extreme. You can do it in a very easy way. And you can really manage taking pounds off in, in, a, in a way that's going to impress you. You know, I feel like a lot of times if you, if you go on a little bit of diet, you lose a pound here, you lose a pound there. And then you have one bad day and all of a sudden you gained it back. That's not what it's like with intermittent fasting. If you do it right with Fast, Black, Fast Blast, do your own homework. Make sure it's right for you. Learn more about fasting at fastblast.com slash blaze. And as always, the slash blaze part is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Get started today with Fast Blast for a healthier, happier, and smaller you. It's fastblast.com slash blaze. You can turn on pretty much any cable news channel these days and know in advance you're going to be fed a load of crap. And somehow, usually it turns out even worse than that. The days of sensible research truth-telling are over, and the era of Trump murders immigrant babies while burning Bibles is upon us. This has been especially true in the midst of the novel coronavirus, with every media outlet manipulating all the data they can to try to convince you you're going to die if you don't stay tuned through this message from our sponsors. Here to talk more about that is Leon Wolf, managing editor of The Blaze and author of a new opinion piece. Uh, most of the media is trying to keep us shut down forever with absurd, unscientific fear-mongering. Leon, what terrified children today? Uh, well, the, the the specific thing that terrified children, or I guess is supposed to have terrified children, is that uh, they discovered a week after reopening schools in France, which is something that they've done, that there were 70 cases of coronavirus discovered in the school. Now, the article doesn't say that these were even students. They could have been teachers. Um, the article does note that that's 70 out of 1.4 million school-age students in France. Um and the article doesn't say that, uh, given what we know about the germination period of coronavirus and how long it takes between the time that you start to show symptoms and the time that you actually got it, almost none of these children could have even possibly contracted it from going to school. <laughs> um, so there's, you know, it, it's it's just designed to scare parents from sending their kids to school. I mean, that that can be the only possible explanation or reason for such a story to exist. And it's frustrating as I point out in the article, you know, there, there's no ratings in a story that says, uh, you know, customers are happy with its intended product that they bought and everything seems to be working fine. That's not a news story. That's not something any, anything is going to cover. Uh, but they're taking it, I think, to ludicrous extremes with this with this um, this coronavirus pandemic. And it's really regretful because it's going to have the effect of convincing people that they should just stay in their houses essentially forever. Mm. You know, because I, I, I think there is that that instinct in the news, right, to try to find t you're telling bad news. They always say good news doesn't sell. 
I do feel like this is in some ways an exception to that, right? We are all in this really crappy situation. We all want to get out of it really badly. You know, you tell someone a, bit, a little bit of hope, you know, whether it's, you know, obviously hydroxychloroquine has been talked about a lot about the president, but also remdesivir was there for a little bit. The every time there is a new development, one monkey didn't keel over after we injected it with something. When the vaccine progress happens, everyone's excited about that. We are not in a period where we're constant, ter- uh, you know, uh, the constant process of terrifying your audience is even necessary. Yet it seems like the media can't figure out anything else to do. Yeah, I think the bad news sells or if it bleeds, it leads is a little bit of an oversimplification, right? Because novel developments that are good news, I think, also can sell. They can also get ratings. They can also be, you know, good stories. What struggles to be a story that gets people's attention is um, everything's fine. You know, I mean, that's not a story. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like people went people went back about their daily lives and everything was okay. Like the world did not end. That's not a story. We have a a possible vaccine. Okay, that's great news. Everybody's going to turn into that. that, Those kinds of stories are going to be far few and far in between. But, you know, people emerged from their houses and went to a restaurant and came back home and were fine. Uh, Those sorts of stories are not uh, they're not going anywhere right now. And and I think that 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 could be the vast majority of the stories that you're seeing right now. It, this this uh, um, issue from France is a really interesting example of this. The same exact thing is happening with the coverage of Texas reopening, where CNN, many others, have come out and said, oh, my gosh, look, a spike of cases. Now, look, we just opened. Uh, you know, I live here. You can go to any restaurant and get in whenever you want because there are not people flooding to these restaurants in most in most cases. Most of them are still pretty empty despite the fact that they're open. Um, you know, thing, everything's running way below capacity because, look, there's a big chunk of people who are taking this, uh, taking their time and making sure, uh, being very careful here. So the idea that, you know, and mobility data shows all this as well. The idea that this is what could have possibly caused this spike is, if you know anything about this virus, is nonsensical. But it's, it's so, it's such a great fit for the narrative that ignoring increases in testing is just, I think, almost too tempting. It's telling a story that's more important than the truth for a lot of these media companies. Yeah, and it's, it's frustrating because when you look at these stories, it'd be one thing to say, well, what you're saying is not true. Well, the facts that they're presenting are true. They're just ignoring or not presenting the fuller context that would explain it. Mm-hmm. Some of that may be malice. Some of that might be attributed to, you know, we're, 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 this is for the ratings. So I think a lot of it, though, is equally due to just laziness. So it's not, you know, yeah. a, a fact that presents itself is the lazy answer is just to present it without any context and let people draw their own conclusions. I don't think that does people's readers and viewers a service to present it that way, though. And I think in the midst of something this important, it's it's it should be on the media's shoulders and not just say, OK, yes, Texas had more positive cases yesterday than it had the day before and let people think or draw their own conclusion. Well, that must be because Texas reopened and the, the disease is spreading. I, I think that it, the only responsible thing to say, oh, well, they're also testing a lot more people or, you know, let's look at the rolling seven day average or let's look at places like California and Oregon and Minnesota who are having much higher uh, increases than Texas has and, and have not reopened are still under stay at home orders. Forget reopening businesses. Um, so, yeah, it's it's frustrating thing to watch for sure. It's one of these things, too, I think, that you part of your job, if you're sitting here and trying to analyze and present these stories, 
is to think critically about the information you're getting. You know, um, I, I think like uh, this has happened, I think, a lot on both sides with coronavirus, where if you're maybe super skeptical of it, you never see one piece of evidence as dangerous. Uh, on the other side, if you're you want it shut down forever, you never are acknowledging that, hey, maybe there should be a reason to be a little skeptical of the highest fear point here. I mean, the John King example from yesterday was fascinating to me in that he's going through this mobility data and he says there's a 16 percent rise in bar traffic. Now, every bar in Texas is closed. In fact, at the time he's doing this report, we hadn't even announced a date in which they were going to open. And he says on the air, we're told this rise has to do with people going to get set up and getting ready for opening. It's like, well, what wouldn't you just naturally question someone telling you that that it's blatantly impossible, right? That 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 16 percent traffic increase for bars has people going to open up a bar that's not going to open for several weeks. But because it fit into that narrative of telling the story that Texas is risky, it's not Colorado who's doing many of the same things, but they have a Democratic governor, a Republican governor, a state that's being risky. Once that narrative builds so solidly inside of you, it doesn't seem that there's any ability for them to shake that off and see a fact that disagrees with them. Am I thinking about that right? Because I I feel like that is they set these priors up and they can't knock them down. Yeah, I think I think that that's exactly true. They're not. And they're not talking about, you know, Florida uh, reopened mm-hmm. to a large extent even more than in earlier than Texas mm-hmm. and has had their daily case rate go down as well. It's look, uh, you know, uh, this has been a difficult story to cover responsibly. And, I, you know, I'm certainly not here to tell you that I've done it perfectly or that we've done it perfectly, you know, from the news side of the blaze. We've, we've tried. Everybody mm-hmm. makes mistakes. But I mean. It's it, we've we've tried to understand that yes, this does appear to be a serious disease. It does appear to have real risk to it. On the other hand, it's not a version of Ebola that can spread in the United States. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it's it's clearly not. Like after two months, we've established that yes, there's risk. We can identify the populations that are most at risk. We're not, you know, we're not going to see, um, you know, two and a half, three million deaths. It's just not going to, the hospitals are not going to get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. We've passed that point. Um, I, I think we need to, to start talking about other, you know, things or other approaches. And it's, it's been frustrating to see that not catch on in favor of just the, the latest, you know, fear mongering, uh, which I think is designed to keep people tuned into their television, you know, keep their, keep their ratings up. You know, it's, and I hate to say even something like this, but, you know, our traffic as a company, as a news organization is is some of the highest it's ever been. And it's because mm-hmm. people are just starving for news, starving for data about this pandemic. And I hope that it's not the case that the media is just seeing this as an opportunity to milk ratings for all they're worth for, for as long as it goes, because the country is in, in real danger if we just continue on this path of, of who knows what all happening uh, down the road. Yeah, it's, it's frightening. I think some of it, too, is, is, is compensation, right? We're in a very difficult time and people, you know, I think if you, if it makes the Karens feel good to yell at, uh, at someone else. I think if, it makes a person who, um, you know, in, in the same way, like a, you know, a 9-11 conspiracy theorist to say, hey, there's no, there's nothing going on here. We're all fine. And the government's lying to us. There's a point in between there where I think the facts lie and it's hard to stay there. Because it doesn't feel good all the time. I mean, you know, none of this is fun. Um, I want to go back to something you said, though, about um, uh, about identifying the most vulnerable pieces of this, because I think that's really an important point, and it's what you touch on in, in the story as well about schools. 
Every piece of evidence that we have shows that kids, thankfully, are not really touched by this in a dramatic way. There are some worries about outlying situations. It's not 100 percent. You know, they don't have immunity to it. But it does seem like they're touched much less than than other parts of the population. And even at the beginning, scientists disagreed on whether keeping kids in school the whole time would have made more sense because, you know, you have parents who are in the healthcare industry who can't go to work. There's all sorts of worries that go along with that. Now we're at the situation where I think we have a much better handle on the facts. And we're still getting this this idea that kids would not go back to school. First of all, it's driving my wife insane. Secondly, it's important to note that all scientific leanings here would show you that this is probably one of the most safe things that we can do. And the media is still making it seem like it would be this erratic, crazy thing to try. I don't know that anything, any piece of data is going to convince a a lot of these people covering the story. No, it's not. And it's, you know, when I tweeted about that article today, before, before I wrote my opinion piece, I tweeted about it and I got a lot of feedback from people. Oh, well, what about this, you know, immunoinflammatory syndrome that appears to, you know, affect the small number of kids, you know, as long as it's not your kid, then you don't care. Right. (sighs) You know, I, as a parent who who does think about his kids and the health of his kids, I'm aware of things like hand, foot, and mouth disease. Every year, at least twice, a note gets sent home from my kids' daycare that we've had a round of hand, foot, and mouth <laughs> disease going around the daycare. Please go get your kid tested, right? It's normally a very small thing, right? Most kids, they get a couple bumps on their skin. It's itchy. No big deal. But in a small number of cases, that can turn into meningitis and can be fatal. Strep throat, okay, right? And, and by the way, the thing they say about the, the, this immunoinflammatory syndrome is that if it's left untreated, it can be fatal. Right. Okay, Strep throat, which your kid probably, if they're like mine, comes home with strep throat once a year. Mm-hmm. You don't treat that, it's fatal. Like, there's, you know, there's all kinds of things. That's part of the risk that you accept when you, when you send your kid away to a public school. And it's terrible. I don't want to say... Listen, I'm sorry, sending your kid to school includes a risk that they're going to catch a disease and die, but it's the truth. The alternative of that not happening is is everybody homeschools their kids. Like we now from now on, one parent stays home in every household and homeschools a kid for 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 whoever that's possible for, Mm -hmm. which we're also told, by the way, is a terrible idea. Homeschooling is bad and (laughs) and shouldn't be encouraged. But I mean, it's that's the reality of the world that we live in. And, and the people who are giving that kind of context are just, are just being drowned out. The, the, the school thing is particularly infuriating. And I hated seeing uh, when, when Fauci said that in front of Congress, because it's, it's something you can't criticize someone for. Oh, well, you, you have to be careful with the kids. Yes, you have to be careful with the kids. If it was a reasonable risk that, that was beyond, you know, the, what you would get from, you know, a hand, foot, and mouth disease or, or any of the other obscure things that kids can get when they go to school, then yeah, we should probably look back at that. But the evidence says that it's not, that that's not the, that's not the case. And we, um, I'll look at it. Um, let me, let me go to, cause I mean, watching this coverage has been interesting to, to watch, particularly living in Texas. You live in, in Tennessee and mm-hmm. almost all the media is in New York, Los Angeles and DC. And you're talking about three of the most locked down communities uh, in the country. Uh, even California as a whole isn't nearly as bad as L.A. County is. And, you know, New York has obviously been really rough and D.C. has been uh, very much locked down as well. And I, 
honestly, I find it almost difficult to even relate to the coverage anymore living in Texas. They keep having this debate about whether we should open the economy or close the economy. And while things aren't back to normal by any means here in Texas, we're getting there really fast. I mean, you go where you need to go. I mean, there is it, it doesn't feel like it did four or five weeks ago. And I think a big part of the reason why this coverage doesn't connect with a lot of people in the center of the country is because these people are, it's, you know, they're living and they're watching Andrew Cuomo's press conferences every day with with all the intensity of a, a million white hot burning suns because it's their community. Uh, you know, it's not our community. I definitely care about New York. It's serious to me. But do you think it, that just that location bias has been a big issue here when it comes to coverage? I, I do think that there's something to that. And it, it, even um Beyond the divide, there's a divide between New York and the rest of America. Mm-hmm. There's a divide here in Tennessee between uh, the three major cities, Memphis, Nashville, and Knoxville, and kind of the more rural areas of Tennessee. Rural areas of Tennessee, I think, are getting back to life as normal a lot faster than Metro Nashville is. Like mm-hmm. Metro Nashville has their own health department. They've been allowed to set their own rules, and 75% of stuff is still closed here. Mm-hmm. Um I, I needed something from Best Buy the other day. I had to order it online and go to my car, and somebody brought it out to my car. They would not allow me to just go in and walk around. Mm-hmm. I mean, even here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I think that that's a lot of um, – there's a lot of kind of big metro versus rural you know, change. I think a lot of people who live in big cities across the country are still dealing with you know city and county governments – that are keeping them more locked down than than a lot of the rest of the country is. Uh, traffic here is still way low. Like when I go out, if I go out it, on the interstate at five o'clock in the afternoon, I'm still stunned at the at the low level of cars. So I've been actually surprised. I kind of expected people here in Middle Tennessee, where I live, to jump in with both feet to you know getting the economy back going. Uh, but I, I'm not seeing it like a, a lot of my you know favorite restaurants. I still can't go eat in. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that's still very much closed, even though legally I think they're allowed to be open in a lot of cases. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to watch. And I, and I do you know, it's certainly not back to normal, but it is it's getting there. We're getting there slowly. It's nice to see at least something is happening um, as we move along that uh, that road. Um, the uh, the piece is in the blaze uh, right now at the blaze dot com. Most of the media is trying to keep us shut down forever with absurd, unscientific fear mongering. And I will say your sub title you're asking way too much you say don't fall for nonsense which that's just not going to happen we, we're america this is america we're talking about yeah i'm, so, I'm sorry I, I you gotta try you know <laughs> if you give up trying then then you've given up so. <laughs> all right leon thanks so much for coming on the program i appreciate it man thanks uh, dude all right you can check out uh blaze tv.com slash stew uh, and you can get all the stuff plus you can go to of course to the blaze.com uh, if you go to get the subscription, blazetv.com slash stew, use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and we'll knock 10 bucks off the price of the subscription. Back in a minute. One of the strangest things about watching the coverage of COVID-19, particularly the coverage of Andrew Cuomo, is the inability for seemingly anyone not on this network to criticize uh, or at least question what Andrew Cuomo is saying and doing. Um, we've seen a little bit of that uh, pop up recently. There's a great uh, example of, uh, of, of noticing something that I hadn't noticed yet uh, from uh, Twitter's Reagan Battalion. Listen to the way Andrew Cuomo deals with bad news and good news. Watch. The number is down because we brought the number down. We brought it down. God did not do that. Nope, not God. Fate did not do that. Not we fate. brought the number down. Okay. 
Good news. Who can we prosecute for those deaths? Nobody. Nobody. Mother Nature, God, where did this virus come from? Huh. That's interesting. So when it's good news, you did it and God didn't do it. But when it's bad news, you want to prosecute God and Mother Nature. I mean, this guy is terrible in every single way. Why don't people understand the truth like I do? I don't know. You're here. You understand the truth. America's starting to pick it up. But the approval rating of Andrew Cuomo, uh, appropriate number for that would be zero. And unfortunately, it's still higher than that. So we will continue to work because people need to know how much he sucks. Uh, by the way, uh, people are so, love him so much, they're actually making panties with his name on it. That's where we are in this world right now. Cuomo panties. Um, if you uh, even thought for a second that might be something you'd want to buy, you're awful in every way. You're also awful if you want the Anthony Fauci panties. Uh, that would be awful, too. And it would be awful if you had the Gavin Newsom panties. Um, and, and Gavin Newsom... I mean, he's he has acquired many pairs of them, apparently, over the years, including, as we covered earlier, his campaign manager's wife. Um, I wanted to give you this real quick before we move on. Uh, Wyoming, if you happen to be in Wyoming watching the show and you like the Cuomo, Fauci or Gavin Newsom panties, they may be on display at a strip club that is now opening back up. If you were worried about close contact, uh, I don't know if you can social distance at a strip club. Probably not. Bring a lot of sanitizer. They are having a masks on, clothes off party. And that's definitely not a way to catch a disease. Uh, be one of those things where I didn't get COVID-19, but I got something. Here is, um, that's going to be ugly. Uh, by the way, uh, I think it's important, too, that we focus on good, substantial criticisms of our politicians. We've seen a lot of people just throwing around crazy claims. Uh, crazy accusations. And I don't think that's cool. As you know, with our Cuomo analysis, we have continually nailed it on the head with perfect tone and perfect fact bringing. Well, there's a new ad out. This one's about against. <laughs> this is amazing. Valerie Plame. Do you remember that name? Valerie Plame, uh, back of the Bush administration, you remember. She was one of the people who were accusing Scooter Libby, uh, that whole thing. Uh, these are names you don't want to remember. She's running for Congress, however. And apparently... At least one person on Earth really doesn't want her to be in Congress. Watch this ad. Disgraced racist millionaire Valerie Plame. Is she running for Congress to represent New Mexicans or white supremacists? (laughs) Now, that is not the greatest start for a political ad you've ever seen. And if you're listening on podcasts, you don't get the full effect because as they flash through fast images... There is a literal swastika in her eye. Like instead of her eye, the the black part of her eye, it's just a swastika. It's fantastic. I I, got to show you this entire thing. Watch the entire thing. Disgraced racist millionaire Valerie Plame. Is she running for Congress to represent New Mexicans Mm. or white supremacists? I don't know. Which one? You tell me. 
Nazi website Daily Stormer loved Valerie Plame's take, blaming America's wars on America's Jews. Mm. KKK Grand Wizard David Duke praised Plame for standing firm against the Jews. <laughs> and Valerie Plame promoted the bigotry of a hate site so racist it even smears Mexicans as having a taste for sexually abusing children. Wow. Tell disgraced racist millionaire Valerie Plame and her white supremacist friends, keep your hate out of New Mexico. Wow. They actually go to the point of, of photoshopping a KKK hood over her head <laughs> in the middle of that ad. Uh, she doesn't have a very good record on this particular point, though. So some of it very much deserved. I don't know, though, if she has swastika contacts. We'll have to get into that. We'll ask the campaign. We'll get official comment. Do you own a pair of swastika contact lenses? If she does, we'll bring that information to you. Back in a second. few other stories uh, that are amazing going on right now. Nebraska Senator Ben Sass is getting in a lot of trouble. Why? He this is the headline. Nebraska Senator Ben Sass gave a blatantly racist graduation speech. He was trending for the worst graduation speech ever. And I was like, wow, what what did he do? Did he I mean, he's not Valerie Plame, is he? He's not one of those people who I mean, is he supporting Nebraska or is he supporting white supremacists? I don't know. Does he have swastika for eyeballs? I don't know. Maybe he does. Well, when you look at the actual facts of the situation, he apparently was critical of China for releasing the pandemic and not controlling it. He didn't accuse them of a biological weapon or even it coming from the lab. He just said, you can thank China for how bad this got. And that apparently is racist and lots of people complained about it. That's the world we live in right now. Um, I don't know what's worse, to be called racist or to be called morbidly obese. Uh, here's, uh, here's our friend Nancy Pelosi with the latter. As you now are a father, you see how important it is to keep the world safe for the children, for the children. As far as the president is concerned, um, the, uh, our, he's our president, and I would rather he not be taking something that has not been approved uh, by the scientist, especially in his age group and in his, shall we say, weight group, what is morbidly obese, they say. So... I, I, uh, I, I think it was, it's not a good idea. Why are eyebrows so high? And again, I would normally be critical of the appearance of Nancy Pelosi, but since she's calling everyone else a you know, fat slob, it's probably okay. That's the worst thing, I think, of this entire situation, is you just gave Donald Trump the ultimate out. I mean, if, whenever he says something mean to someone, now he can just say, well, I don't know, she's calling me morbidly obese. What are you talking about? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not I don't really understand the the strategy there. I guess she just thinks it's going to be funny. Um, I, I don't really understand. I think it was Steve Dace who pointed out if you really thought he was Hitler, why wouldn't you want him to take some unapproved drug? <laughs> you probably you probably would. Right. But maybe maybe it's not true uh, after all. A couple other quick things. Justin Amash, you know, the long awaited uh, announcement of his presidential run for the Libertarian Party that ended this weekend. I don't even I, I don't think I heard him announce it or retract it, but he retracted it this weekend. No run for president for Justin Amash. And in a really groundbreaking uh, move that's going to change the landscape of you know, the media that you consume here for a while. Joe Rogan has signed with Spotify to do his podcast, he's going to be on Spotify coming up soon, end of the year, exclusively on Spotify. Can you imagine how much money that must have cost them? I mean, it had to be well into the eight figures uh, for a deal 
I have no idea how much it was. It was a lot of money, though. Almost like a mini version of that Howard Stern Sirius XM deal from it was just Sirius back in the day. Uh, kind of almost at that level. So Rogan to Spotify exclusively starting in 2021. Back in a second. Reviews for the show on iTunes rolling in. This one about our interview style. Uh, if you ever thought, gee, I wish someone else would gesticulate for me, have we got a show for you? Five freaking stars, the correct number of stars. Or this one, love this show. Uh, never laugh so hard while listening to boring statistics. The fusion of sarcasm and, well, sarcasm. It's great. Whatever. Five freaking stars. Please go on iTunes and do that as well so I can get my big Spotify deal. We'll see you later. <laughs> 